It's the Messiah Community Radio Talk Show. This is Michael James Lauren, your host, Oz Guinness, well known as a pillar, as an author, a man of God, and of course, social activist, if you will, or he is social commentary, I should say, on everything. Uh, Last Call for Liberty is the name of the latest book, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat, and welcome to the program. Thank you, Michael. Pleasure to be with you. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand. From headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bayerdynamic.com. And by Vocal Booth To Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission, to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics, along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators. People should know, and do you get ever tired of hearing it? You're the great, 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 like grandson of, yes, the Guinness for the uh, the beer. No, it, it has a warm association for many people. So I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful and proud of it. Dr. Guinness, born in China and educated in England. He is the author of more than 30 books, including The Global Public Square, A Free People's Suicide, Renaissance, Fool's Talk, and Impossible People. He has been a visiting fellow at the Brookings Institution and a senior fellow at the East-West Institute. And Dr. Keller, uh, Robbie Zacharias, and many others uh, applaud you for your work. And tell us a little bit about you for those that don't know you. Well, that's very kind of them. I was born in China when my parents were medical missionaries, so I had a very dramatic first 10 years with the Japanese invasion and a momentous famine in which 5 million died in three months, including my two brothers. Mm. And then a little older, we were in Nanjing, the capital of the nationalist China, and I witnessed the climax of the Chinese Revolution. After all that, I came back to school and then college in England, London University, and then Oxford University. A lot of my thinking was shaped very decisively by Francis Schaeffer at Labrie, and I spent more than five years there. I've been here in the U.S. since 1984, which was the year of Reagan's second election, and I've tried to plunge into Washington and America at large and 
try and see the, you know, the interests of the kingdom in all that's going on. My new book is actually called Last Call for Liberty. I don't know if you have that, but it just came out this week. No, we have it right here. Yeah, Last Call for Liberty. In fact, uh, how America's genius for freedom has become its greatest threat. And of course, I, I would love to ask you about it as far as, you know, when you write 30 books, I suppose each time you have to be, you know, something has to be tugging on a writer as far as to speak and say something for the people. And so uh, could you describe your voice and also this book? Well, I'm not the greatest writer in the world. I admit that. Um, you have brilliant writers like, say, Phil Yancey. But messages burn out of me. And for several books, I've been addressing the American crisis. I wrote a book a number of years ago called A Free People's Suicide on Sustainable Freedom. But in the debate that followed that, I realized that many Americans don't ask what freedom actually is. So the heart of this book is a checklist of 10 questions for citizens to ask. Because my argument is that America is in the severest crisis since the Civil War. I and mean, you can see it very clearly in the Kavanaugh hearings, but much wider than that. The deepest crisis since the Civil War. And the question is, what's the deepest division? People say left, right, or coastals and heartlanders, or the new division is nationalists and America firsters against globalists, as President Trump would put it. But I argue the deepest division is actually between those whose view of freedom and the American Republic goes back to the American Revolution, 1776, which was largely, although not consistently, biblical. Many people don't know that the notion of constitution came from the Sinai Covenant and so on. But the That's other right. view of freedom comes from 1789 and the French Revolution and its heirs. And if you look at the power plays today in the Kavanaugh hearings or things like political correctness, multiculturalism, the sexual revolution, many other things like that, they go back decisively to the Enlightenment in 1789, heirs like Nietzsche and Foucault. They're a very different view of freedom. And America's at a Rubicon moment. The question is, will she restore 1776 or repeal it, as it were, and replace it and go on to a very different view with very different consequences? That's the argument. In I this see. It's amazing how far away we've gone. And uh, whether the founding fathers would cringe or not based on what's really happened. I know that you had mentioned in your book that we have, um, as Americans, placed such an emphasis on the Constitution to hold it all together. Yet we, well, I don't know, are we hypocritical about that as far as uh, the, you know, having the safeguards to protect us? Well, the Constitution, I think, has become just elastic. As I said earlier, the notion goes right back to Sinai and the Covenant and it has incredible social content. For example, the reciprocal responsibility of all for all, love your neighbor as yourself, and so on. Whereas democracy has zero social content. But now we've shifted. The Jews, of course, were a covenant with the Lord. Whereas America, at best, was a covenant under God. And now through the UCLA, uh, uh, UCLA and Michael Newdow and others, it's basically a constitution without God. And you can see various of the political and social movements today come from a different stable and they lead in a very different direction. Look at the Kavanaugh hearings. In the postmodern world, there's no truth. Everything is power. 
and you can see how powerful it is yes. working its way out currently. Oh, most definitely. Can you elaborate on that? Because, yeah, we see it all the time that uh, there are witnesses coming through and trying to break through, uh, if you will, that power structure and voices to be heard. But you could sense that, uh, you know, competing power, if you will. I'm not taking sides in this because I'm always a foreign visitor and admirer of this country. But if you take very simply things like the process was completely disregarded by Senator Feinstein and Chuck Schumer, or the notion that's absolutely precious to what's called the ancient liberties of English, going all the way back to Magna Carta and so on, that you are presumed innocent until judged guilty beyond all reasonable doubt. That's completely been over, uh, overridden. And you can see we're very like the French Revolution. It was one day for many aristocrats between an, an accusation and the, and the execution. Didn't matter if you were innocent or guilty. Many were guilty. Some were innocent. Didn't matter. Madame Guillotine dealt with them all. And you can see in today's world, power is everything. So the process was overridden. Basic Western Christian and Jewish human rights, like you know, presumption of innocence before guilt, have just been overridden. This is absolutely disastrous. America is at a Rubicon moment. And I think you don't have more than 10 or 15 years. The great problem is there's no Lincoln. In other words, in 1859, 1860, Abraham Lincoln, coming from Springfield, Illinois, through Philadelphia, making a great speech there and going down to uh, Washington as president, he addressed what he called the better angels of the American experiment of human nature. In other words, he believed in the Declaration. As Martin Luther King put it later, the Declaration was a promissory note. It wasn't cashed in. It wasn't delivered to the slaves. And that was the evil and the hypocrisy that America continued for too long. Lincoln paid with his life. The trouble is today, there is no Lincoln. In 30 years here in Washington, I have not heard a single leader address the deepest problems in the light of the American experiment. So this is eroding. This is what's happened. The seams are busting through. Hence, the tattered American flag on your book. Uh, as an example, it came out, Michael, the day of the hurricane, and we oh, saw did it really? literally oh, flag yeah. ripped apart by Hurricane Florence. But at a far deeper level, I suggested that to the art people who did the cover, because that's where America is today. I mean, Martin Luther King called for the promissory note from. Stokely Carmichael, right down to Black Lives Matter, they have a different view of justice and rights and wrongs in mind. And it's absolutely crazy. America's at an insane moment where it's in danger of throwing it all away. Dr. Guinness, you mentioned something too in your book as far as the taking a knee controversy in the NFL. And, you know, just a kind of food for thought for people because each one has uh, different sides on it. But uh, you say by disrespecting the anthem and the flag, the activists are disdaining the promissory note, which you just mentioned, which that either they are cutting off the branch they are sitting on or more radically that they are appealing to a revolution other than 1776. So, you know, it's I guess when you kind of pick and choose, take sides, much like the Bible, when a lot of people do that, right, instead of following it or abiding by it and finding law and order, as you had mentioned, to hold society together. 
And in comes uh, Dr. Guinness saying, wait a minute now, <laughs> because, uh, you know, there, there is a problem here when you get to kind of push back the landmarks a little bit. And uh, what is the danger of people doing that? We see it every day. Well, I'm trying to address things you know, from the best of the founding. You know, Martin Luther King and his I Have a Dream speech calling for the content of character rather than the color of the skin. And that's gone out of the way. You have blatant racism today as much on one side as the other. But the trouble is that Martin Luther King knew how to address the better angels, as Lincoln did, and appeal to the promissory note. And you can see many people like that, Frederick Douglass, Booker T. Washington, they all did the same. The Constitution, with its three-fifths laws, was horrible. Evil and hypocrisy enshrined at the heart of the Constitution. But the Declaration, liberty and justice for all, that was the promissory note. When, so when you disrespect the flag or the pledge, you're disrespecting the promissory note. And that's why, I mean, they are postmodern. You can see Black Lives Matter and other movements like that are postmodern movements that are based on power. Now, how did this happen? Well, America, right down to the 50s, was a liberal project with a big capital L. All the great, even secular intellectuals were liberals. They believed in freedom. Martin Luther King, in many ways, was the last like that. And as I said, as you move from Stokely Carmichael to the anti-war movement, the rise of feminism, and so on, somewhere around 1968, almost 50 years ago this year, there was a fatal lurch left. And America was now not just failing to live up to its promissory note, but chronically racist, sexist, hegemonic, militarist, and you name it. And since then, the liberal left has been that direction, an anti-American. Now, you remember, you won't remember, Michael, you're too young, but I do. I was a student then. I'm older than you think. Go ahead. Well, <laughs> in 1968, Rudi Deutschke, the leader of the Red Brigade in Germany, called for a long march through the institutions. In other words, Gramsci saw that Marx was wrong. There'd never be a proletarian revolution, even in Russia. You needed to have what he called cultural hegemony or dominance. And Rudi Deutschke said, we need a long march through the institutions, the universities and colleges, the press and media, and the world of entertainment. And 50 years later, they've done it. They've pulled it off. And most of those institutions, with a few exceptions, are anti-American in terms of the American Revolution. And that's what I mean. America's deeply divided, divided against itself at many, many issues, immigration and a hundred other issues. And the Kavanaugh hearings are just the latest in showing how deep this has gone. Well, you mentioned about power, and of course, there is a power struggle, but yet, how do we fix this whole thing? Because, uh, you know, the American public, they want to put their faith in the, the justice system in America, that uh, this government will protect us, yet people are somewhat, uh, they don't believe that. <laughs> Sometimes Michael, You know that from Nietzsche downwards, and you pick up his follower, like, say, Michel Foucault, truth is dead, knowledge is power. Power is everything. Now, of course, power is crucial to freedom. If you don't have power, you're not really very free. Our Lord is sovereign, and you have a marriage of freedom and power and justice. But in the postmodern world, there's no truth. There's no principle. All you have is power. 
And you can see that in Chuck Schumer. You can see that in Dianne Feinstein. You can see it much of American politics. And sadly, again, as I say, there's no Lincoln. Who addresses a better way? In my view, I've only heard two people in my 30 years here who have a profound sense of history in their speeches. One of them is our wonderful Christian brother, the senator from Nebraska, Ben Sass, hmm. who, who is a brilliant historian and has courage. He's a junior senator, so whether he'll go on with a young family and so on, I don't know. But he is the nearest to a Lincoln-like voice. And you can see, for example, early in the Kavanaugh hearings, he gave 15 minutes of a civic education, which was so different from the rest of them. It was remarkable, although people tell me, sadly, some senators resent him because he's just so brilliant. But I hope voices like that with courage and brilliance and depth historically will speak into the present moment. Yeah, the fabric of our nation. And to not forget, so you're reminding us, and as Christians, just how important is it? I mean, sometimes, forgive me, you know, we look at Fox News or something like that and think that they're, they're representing all the Christians and uh, God help us, you know. <laughs> and uh, I mean, what I'm saying is that uh, we have to find out for ourselves really what the, the historical uh, implications of the Constitution and uh, the Founding Fathers and, uh, and to protect it and to, you know, do we, as Christians, or do, would you like to remind us more about that as far as in your book to how to embrace and appreciate their freedom and where it came from. Well, put it wider, and uh, you know, the dangerous people think I'm defending Christian America. And America was never officially, formally, nationally Christian. It was never an established religion. But there's no question the deepest ideas and the majority of the people were Jews and Christians, and they were working on biblical ideas. But let it, let's put it in terms of the West. Where do you have a foundation for human dignity? You don't find that in atheism or Hinduism or Buddhism. Where do you have a foundation for freedom? Everyone uses the word freedom, particularly America. So it's become a cliche, faith, family, and freedom, and all sorts of things like that. Something like, say, Sam Harris's book on freedom. Freedom is a fiction, an illusion. And the simple fact is that atheism and naturalistic science cannot justify or give you a grounding for freedom, which means very simply that the biblical view that humans are made in the image of God is literally the Magna Carta of humanity and the most solid view of a high humanism that grounds human dignity and worth and so on. So we've got to be very careful. The left talks in certain ways today, but their views coming from the French Revolution are a disaster for the church. Make no mistake. Michael, take, for instance, the sexual revolution. A lot of people I know, they, they think anecdotally, who am I to judge my sister, my colleague, my neighbor, as if it's all a matter of individuals. But if you read back to the Marquis de Sade, where a lot of this came from, or Wilhelm Reich, who wrote the book that became the name by the sexual revolution, they are quite clear about two things. They have two great obstacles that they have to overcome if they're to win. One is the church, and the other is parents. And so we should make no mistake, and a lot of Christians are incredibly naive, and if I may say so, even some students I've met from Messiah, incredibly naive about what's really happening. Now, I, I'm, I'm not here as a, as a Republican or a right-winger at all. I'm passionate about the kingdom, 
and the great gifts of the gospel and the scriptures that have made the best of our Western world. We've got to acknowledge the worst, the failures, the evils, the hypocrisy. But we're in danger of throwing out the best, along with the baby on the bathwater. Well, our special guest right now is Oz Guinness. Last Call for Liberty is the name of the new book, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat. Dr. Timothy Keller says for decades, Oz Guinness has been one of the most nuanced, realistic, yet hopeful voices calling readers to engagement with culture. And it's exactly what you're doing right now, causing us to think, and uh, what would happen in 15 years if uh, this uh, whole thing fails? Well, America will lose its sense of being a republic in name only and will become a democracy and that will become more and more chaotic and you're likely to see increased state control and what one thinker has called a totalitarian democracy. And America simply will be unrecognizable and the land of the free will no longer be the champion. My, my, my sorrow and anger at times is that this is the longest running historical tutorial in the politics of freedom. And the current generation is in danger of throwing it all away. And that historically is incredibly irresponsible. And I'm afraid so many Christians are making the same mistake. For instance, here in Washington, and in the Messiah community, Michael, there are a lot of never Trumpers in the Christian circles. They're obsessed with Trump, all that he says, all that he is. But you know, if you look at Trump, he is the consequence of the real crisis, not the cause. And the never-Trumpers and the pro-Trumpers both go radically wrong. He is not the cause of the problem, and he will not solve the problem. Take, for instance, his notion, MAGA, Make America Great Again. He never asked beyond the economy and the military what made America great in the first place. Point. Hmm. That's why I say we need a Lincoln, a Ben Sass, a Lincoln, or whoever it is today, to address that. And I wish young Christians particularly, you say the name justice and they'll flock to whatever claims to be on the side of justice, which often today is disastrous for justice. Was President Obama, was he close? I know that, you know, intellectual and uh, his education, was he close to understanding the fabric of America, did you think? Sorry, say it again. Well, was uh, President Obama close to uh, Lincoln or no? No, no. You understand his background in Hawaii and in Chicago? He was close to the weatherman and Jeremiah Wright. And in many ways, he was profoundly anti-American in the deepest sense. Now, the problem with his presidency was often its weakness over Korea, over Iran, and many things like that. He was a long way from being profoundly American, let alone Lincolnian. Now, he was suave. He was handsome, and he appealed to the liberal intellection. But in many ways, he was... uh, a dangerous allure of the real thing. Interesting. Interesting. A lot of people, you know, may not have thought that, but, uh, you know, but they're hearing from you and, and thinking about that. But, you know, either way, Christians are called to respect authority. Something you mentioned in your book that, you know, straight from the Bible, that if we don't respect the powers that be, President Trump or President Obama. I mean, even if you have viewpoints that are diametrically opposed, and we have to voice them as you do, but uh, and is, is that something we've lost the art of, if you will, or re- just respecting authority? And is that part of the problem? Oh, uh, certainly it's part of the root of the problem. But, you know, I've got a book on the case for civility. We need to love everyone, including our enemies, as our Lord told us. 
We've got to respect people's positions. Freedom of conscience means everyone has the right to believe what they believe, and so on. So I'm a passionate advocate of civility. But that said, civility is irrelevant if there's no truth and only power. And whatever it takes is what you need to overcome anyone. And you can see today here the president is no example with his insults and so on. But both sides are becoming incredibly guilty. I mean, the level of the democratic rhetoric about President Trump is absolutely vile hmm. by any standards of history. I mean, Michael, you know that it used to be said that the election of 1800 was the benchmark of incivility. But 2016 and the last two years, you think of Kathy Griffin or you think of Bill Maher and many others like this. Their remarks are just reprehensible. Yeah. Why don't Christians attack these as evil? Mm-hmm. Anyway, they attack Trump's you know, insults and attacks as entirely wrong. And then they fight back as if they were persecuted. Exactly, exactly. But you mentioned, you know, which again is a matter of power plays. We always turn to the Christian community, let's just say, you know, as Christians perhaps, but in this discussion, you mentioned that interfaith efforts are always welcome and often beneficial, as are the many new initiatives in citizen diplomacy. So can you expound on that? Well, I work, for instance, in religious liberty, and I thank God for people who are very different from those of us who are evangelicals, who passionately support religious liberty, Muslims, atheists, gays, and so on. And I welcome that enormously. But that said, the the tragedy of the church, the scandal of the American church, is that we are the huge majority in this country, and yet groups that are a fraction of our size, say wonderful groups like our Jewish friends, 2% of America, or say LGBTQ activists, many of whom I would disagree with in a friendly way, um, they are less than 3% of America, but they have more influence than the huge majority of Christians. There's something wrong with us. We're not salty. We're not life-bearing. And you can see that now Protestant liberalism has been compromised in many ways for 200 years. With an acceleration in the last 25 years, you take the collapse of the Episcopal Church, which deserves its collapse for its compromise. But now you see inroads into evangelicalism. So the challenge today is to be faithful, faithful in our culture, but highly relevant. In other words, not stick in the muds and reactionaries, but engaging with all the big questions, but with a relevance that is faithful and doesn't compromise. Yeah, it sounds like we need to learn, uh, and we can from your book, by the way, Oz Guinness, uh, Last Call for Liberty, How America's Genius for Freedom Has Become Its Greatest Threat. Because, I mean, I'm, I'm embarrassed myself, you know, to be honest, that I, I don't know as much about uh, the history behind this great country and what makes us, uh, how we have this freedom to begin with. And it seems like something we were reminded of and had a greater appreciation of in the past. And I think we are healthier, obviously, be, you know, because of that. But you mentioned the responsibility that we should participate in all this. Uh, a paradox, you mentioned, the tyranny of freedom and the freedom of tyranny, that the third reason for the paradox is spiritual and psychological, for freedom to be exercised well, that is, in a manner that is appropriate to freedom, freedom assumes and requires responsibility. You mentioned that. Well, you, you, you look at the Old Testament. It took one day, as the rabbi said, to get Israel out of Egypt, 
for 40 years and counting to get Egypt out of Israel. And you actually have Jews complaining, describing Egypt as the land of milk and honey, which is bizarre. Because the fact is they were more Egyptianized and they were hankering to go back. And you can see today many Christians are just, they got a foot in two camps. They don't realize how they've bought into the ideas and the behaviors, say, of our consumerist world or whatever. And we need to consider what is freedom and where Christians stand and what faithfulness is and what the challenge of the hour is. This is an extraordinary moment for America, for the West, and for the church. Now, of course, the city of man, the West, or say Britain or America, may well collapse as the city of man did for Augustine in Rome. But the city of God never collapses. But we've got to be sure that our thinking and our citizenship is securely planted in the city of God, not the city of man. Mm-hmm. Well, you mentioned in the back of your book, the hour is critical. The American Republic is suffering its gravest crisis since the Civil War. Conflicts, hostility, and incivility now threaten to tear the country apart, and competing visions have led to a dangerous moment of cultural self-destruction. You're mentioning, of course, this is no longer politics as usual, you say, but an error of political warfare where our enemies are not foreign adversaries, but our fellow citizens. That's the part of the book right there. And of course, the biggest responsibility we have as Christians is to pray for our great country. Would you do the honors? And uh, Dr. Oz Guinness, uh, what a pillar as an author, over 30 books. And go look him up. And uh, people can go to his website too, our audience, uh, ozguinness.com. So would you pray? And thank you so very much for being on the program. I would be honored to, Michael. Lord, we thank you that in the chaos and turbulence of our country and our world, you are sovereign. And you call us to be your free people who trust you freely, worship you freely, follow you freely. Grant that in today's challenges, we may be the people of freedom and truth and show what dignity means under you. And we pray, Lord, that We know so well that so many things we can't do. The problems are bigger and more complex than any of us can understand or respond to. But you are sovereign. Lay bare your mighty arm and act and speak and turn it round, we pray, by your mercy. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so very much. And also an addendum to the prayer. Please, Lord, raise up some Lincolns. (laughs) <laughs> right? Amen. Definitely want that. Oz Guinness, last call for liberty, how America's genius for freedom has become its greatest threat. A joy to have you on the program. Thank you so much. My pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Our sponsors with over 90 years experience in developing audio electronics, Bayer Dynamics stands for innovative audio products with the highest sound quality and pioneering technology. Two business divisions, consumer and installation, provide tailored solutions for professional and private users. All products are developed in Germany and primarily manufactured by hand, from headphones to microphones and conference and interpretation systems. For more information, please visit north-america.bairdynamic.com.
And by Vocal Booth to Go carries a complete line of products and accessories specifically designed for voiceover actors, audio professionals, podcasters, producers, and studio owners to help them get professional results for their clients. It's your go-to place for sound treatment, soundproofing, portable, and mobile vocal booths. Visit VocalBoothToGo.com for more information. And by Hamilton Stands, founded in 1883 in Hamilton, Ohio, Hamilton Stands is the oldest music and instrument stand maker in the world. They offer a broad range of sheet music stands, band and orchestra instrument stands, and combo stands, including mic stands, guitar and keyboard stands, and accessories. In fact, the broadcast you're listening to is made using a Hamilton stage rocker mic stand. Visit HamiltonStands.com. And Oralex Acoustics has one mission to make you sound your best. Thousands of satisfied Oralex customers have experienced improved acoustics along with free expert advice, total sound control products from Oralex. Enjoy widespread use among prominent artists, producers, engineers, and corporations worldwide. Remember, it's not your gear, it's the room. Visit Oralex.com for more information. And great audio starts with great gear. And Zoom's 30-year reputation promises quality and affordability. Visit zoom-na.com today for recorders, audio interfaces, effects pedals, and more. We're Zoom, and we're for creators.